Hey, this is the Uncomfortable is OK podcast, where we get to explore the science, the stories, and the strategies of how to get better at navigating challenge. I'm your host, Chris Desmond, and this is the first podcast that has gone to air with Uncomfortable is OK in just over two years. And it feels a little bit weird sitting and talking back into a microphone again after all this time. So two years. Some of you hopefully are back on the bandwagon listening after after a two years break. And other people may have found the Uncomfortable is OK podcast in that two year gap. So I just wanted to, to give you a little bit of a rundown about what happened, why we stopped back in 2020, what's been going on since, and what's happening now and where you uncomfortable is okay is going to, to go going forwards. So if you're, if you're new here, welcome. If you're coming back after a, after a wee bit of a break, then welcome back. It's, it's great to be back albeit a little bit a little bit strange talking into a microphone by myself again. So back in 2020, the Uncomfortable is OK podcast had about 290 odd episodes that have got had gone to air that were out in the public domain. And the plan was just to kind of keep on rolling with it. But back in kind of June, July 2020 everything kind of everything seemed to happen at once I mean if you guys think back we were we were in the midst of a global pandemic and my day job as a as a physiotherapist and and running a physiotherapy clinic um things were reasonably chaotic there we'd had to flip our business model from seeing people in person as you do as a physiotherapist to going completely virtual because here in New Zealand we were we were in the middle of lockdown we couldn't we couldn't get people into the clinic all our clinicians were working from home so we had to we had to switch our business model from fully in person service business to running a completely virtual service um, as quickly as possible and, and thankfully I, I was working with a great team and we were able to get that up and running reasonably quickly and then kind of around around that June or July time, New Zealand came down the level. So we came out of that that full-on lockdown and we started to be able to get back into clinic and we're trying to figure out what that looked like and everyone everyone wanted to come in and see us. Everyone was really keen on on looking after their health. So they wanted to come back in and they wanted to jump back in and come and visit us and get some support with with their health, with their physical health which was great but it was a reasonably stressful stressful time another thing that was was happening as well is my my wife and I while well, my wife was pregnant I was kind of along for the ride with that and we were due to have a baby in September but what ended up happening was my wife went into premature labor at around about 29 weeks gestation so we we rushed into a hospital we got Nana over to look after our oldest son and rushed into hospital and thankfully they they managed to stop the labor but my wife ended up in bed rest on in hospital after that point they they didn't want to let her come home just in case labor started up again and she were she was to have uh, a baby very prematurely and now this wasn't a particular surprise our eldest son was born three months premature and we had 99 days 
in hospital with him or before we were able to bring him home. But it's through a bit of a spanner in the works. My wife was unfortunately lying there in hospital by herself while I was while I was looking after our eldest son and trying to still still work, support my wife and and look after our boy as well. And thankfully we have we've we've got a, a reasonably good support network as well. My my mum was able to come and help out. My my mother in law as well, very supportive and, and we have some great we had some great childcare as well. And then my wife was released from hospital after about two weeks, which was absolutely fantastic. She could come home. She wasn't allowed to do a whole lot, but she could be here with, with myself and my and my son. And she was home for about a week before we ended up back in hospital as labour had restarted. So my long story short, my youngest son was born at 31 weeks and five days gestation, which was much better than 29 weeks. So we were we had a baby in the neonatal intensive care unit in the middle of a pandemic with a with a toddler at home and we were we were in a reasonably privileged position and in, in that myself and my wife are, are very very health literate and we had a good support network around us and we'd we'd been through this this process before with with our eldest son so we were we were well set up to deal with it but with the, the pressure of the pandemic running a day job, having a, having a baby in hospital and having another baby to, to look after as well, trying to run a podcast and trying to, to interview people and, and keep uncomfortable as okay going at that point in time was just too much for me. It was just, it was just too busy. Something had to give in my life with all of, all of the things that were going on at that point in time. And unfortunately, it was uncomfortable as okay. Unfortunately, I had to put the podcast on hold, put it aside for a while. And so that's why we stopped. And I'm really sorry that I didn't record a podcast episode at the time, just kind of giving people a, a heads up. But unfortunately, hopefully you'll you'll appreciate that I was just in the middle of a whole lot of stuff and there was a lot of stress going on and I just I just didn't have the functional capacity to be able to do that and and do a do a job that I would have been happy with uh, putting out into the world so what's been going on since uh, since July 2020 well we had we had seven weeks in hospital before we, we were able to bring our son home. And that was the first time that his brother got to meet him, which was which was pretty cool. He hadn't been allowed in hospital because kids weren't allowed into the, the neonatal intensive care unit at that point in time. And they're, they're still not, I don't think, it, to this day with, with all the pressures of, the, of COVID and the pandemic and, and trying to keep those little babies healthy. And so we, we went on and we were trying to figure out life as a family of four mid-pandemic um, I was still working as a I was working as a physiotherapist um, running a running a clinic and we were trying to navigate kind of the ins and outs of New Zealand going up and down the alert levels and and all the healthcare inv- information that was changing and at the at the same time I was alongside that I was doing a little bit of healthcare educational work so trying to trying to help healthcare providers learn more about the human skills of what it means to be a, a really great healthcare provider and over a period of time I think there was as you 
as I recognise, and as you guys probably can recognise with me talking about this, there was it was still a reasonably high stress environment that was that was happening, and this kind of trucked along for a little while, and and I was. I got to the point where I was I was just getting really stressed and overwhelmed. And I mean there's a lot of talk about burnout. I don't think I was burnt out, but potentially I was I was headed that way. Uh my my ability to process information was was definitely reduced. Doesn't help that our youngest is was a pretty horrible sleeper and he still is now. <laughs> Unfortunately he's much better than he used to be, but he's He's still pretty rough. He hasn't slept through the night yet. So I'm hanging out for that day. But I was getting to the point where I was really stressed. I was, I was quite overwhelmed. And and I just couldn't see a way back. For uncomfortable is okay. I couldn't see a way that it would fit into my life in a way that just didn't add more stress to, to my situation. But back in 2021, my wife and I were, were having some discussions. And, and we didn't want to put our youngest son into daycare too early given his early start to life his potentially compromised immune system and what that kind of what higher exposure to all of those bugs might mean for him and for our family as well so my wife and I had a conversation and again to cut a long story short I decided to step away from work. I decided to step away from from my day job, let my wife go back to work and be be full-time dad for a while. So I I stopped work full-time back in August 21 to be a full-time dad and it's been it's been an absolute privilege to be able to do that and it's been an honor to to spend so much more time with my boys than I otherwise would have been and it's been ridiculously challenging and frustrating as well as I'm sure any parents of, of any parents can relate to the the challenges that the children bring and for those of you who aren't parents yet keep hold of your naivety it's it's a fantastic thing I was so naive before I before I became a dad so it's been it's been awesome to have that time with my boys and 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 be a dad and be such a part of their life that I'm otherwise may have missed out on but what it's also given me as well is is it given me some space to to enjoy the boys but also think about my life my direction and and what it is that I was after from it and I think is it again as most parents can relate to uh, when you become a parent you're your values start to become a lot more clear and potentially they shift a little bit as well they become a bit more concrete and i definitely noticed that when i when i became a dad and so this having the space away from work and especially away from that added pressure gave me some time to think it gave me some time to reflect it it gave me some time to have a look at my values and, and think about what did i en- what did i enjoy doing and where did i think that i could provide the most value for people and I still, like, I, I really enjoy being a physiotherapist and I love peop- helping people with their health. And I was thinking, what are, the, what are the parts of that that I do enjoy? Because when I left, I wasn't sure that I wanted to get back into, into health and I wanted, wasn't sure that I wanted to get into helping people with their health. I was, I was frustrated with it. I was probably a little bit cynical of everything. But the parts that I did enjoy is, is that I loved building a relationship 
with a person and I loved finding out about them and I loved helping them come up with a with a plan that was contextualized to their situation and to their life and to what was going on for them and in that moment and thinking about it from a holistic perspective rather than just from a here's what's happening at the anatomy level and so I loved building that relationship and I also loved working with people that wanted to get better and you would think most people that come in with an injury they they do want to get better but picture it on a scale of someone is is sitting at a say a set point of zero they have an injury they go down to negative 10 most people want to get back to zero a lot of the healthcare funding in New Zealand funds you to get someone back to kind of negative three or maybe negative two and then kind of set them free with some with some stuff But the people that I loved working with were the ones that had had their injury and they went to negative 10. And then partway along that journey, they were like, shit, this is really, really good. Can we not stop at zero? Can we keep going through to positive 10 or positive 20 or positive 50? Can you help me with my health? And they used that health challenge that they were going through as a catalyst for change and a catalyst for improvement. And so that was the that was a really really cool thing that I discovered that like this is what I love I love the relationship and I love people that that look at health and and look at it as a driver for their performance in life both at work but also at home in their communities with their hobbies because really if if someone can improve their health then it feeds into all of these other areas so that had, that had kind of been what had been going on, is that I, I'd been working, I was potentially headed towards burnout, had the space to be, be a dad and kind of live that life and it was awesome, but I also had the space to, to think about all of this stuff and I've, I want to just pause for a minute and say thank you to my wife, she's probably not listening to this, but thank you so much for, for allowing me that space and allowing our family that space to, to do that, it's been, it's been really, really cool. So that kind of brings me to the point now is like, what, what is happening now? And well, what is happening now is that, that I'm striking out on my own with, a, I guess you'd call it maybe a performance well-being company called Health Mentors. And its goal is to, to really kind of answer the question is why aren't people healthy? So what, I'm, what I want to do is I'm helping helping busy people, I'm helping busy change makers to dial in their health, drive their performance in the midst of a, of a busy chaotic world. And I think that, I mean, there's lots of reasons that people maybe aren't as healthy as they could be, but I think it, one of the big ones is this busy world that we live in. Health gets squeezed out to the side by a bunch of other important priorities, which you've just been listening to for the last, what, 15 minutes of this podcast. And there's so many other people in situations where, where they've got so many conflicting priorities and their health gets squeezed out to the side or down to the bottom of the list because all of this other stuff comes first. And it is it is really this other stuff is really important, but so is our health. 
And I think we, we need to figure out a way that they can coexist and we can, we can have them side by side, hand in hand. Because if we're not looking after our health, it's, it's really problematic because it caps our ability to perform at our best. When we're not healthy, it means that we don't have the capacity to show up at the top of our game as often as we would want to. And again, whether that would be at work, whether that would be as a partner, whether that's as a parent, whether that's as a, a pet owner, whether that's as a friend or a neighbor or a, or a team member or a kid's sports coach or, or whatever it is that you want to do, if your health isn't good, that dramatically impacts your ability to, to perform that role over the long run. And kind of going on and thinking more about the, the question is, why aren't people healthy? And I think for the most part, it's not, it's not because we don't have enough knowledge of what things we could be doing to help ourselves be healthy. There's, I mean, there's an abundance of information out there and there's no one right way to do good health. Good health looks different for everyone. It needs, it needs slightly different things. I mean, there's people that are, are really into ultra marathon running and they live a really healthy life. And there's people that are into to weightlifting and they live a really healthy life and people who are into yoga. And these are just kind of using physical examples. Obviously there's different components of health. There's, there's the, the physical, the mental, the emotional, the social, the spiritual, the vocational components. The physical one's often the easiest for us to picture in our heads though. And so there's no one right way to do good health. And this is like despite what all of the gurus are trying to, to tell you and sell you their product, that health is different for everybody. And I think that the, the focus of my work is, is on how to, how to help people get healthy and perform at their best. And that's about thinking about okay how do we do health how do we how do we do it how do we Im embed it into our lives so it just becomes part of who we are it's not something that we we have a feeling of uh, oh I should do that it's just it's just part of who we are it's part of how we live our lives and obviously I'm I'm relatively dangerous in terms of the the what makes good good health i can i can point you in the direction of some some really kind of scientifically well backed up diet information i can i could write you a physical exercise program but i think the the thing that i that i enjoy is is focusing on how do we take that knowledge how do we take the what and how do we apply it to our lives how do we implement this? Because health is, health is an action. We need to take healthy choices and, and make them over a long period of time. And you can obviously tell this is something that I'm, I'm pretty passionate about, I'm pretty excited about, and I won't continue to bore you around this. I could talk about it for at least another three hours here. But suffice to say that moving into, moving into the space to help, help people get healthy help people perform at their best and maybe sift out some of the, the bullshit information from the, from the good information, but really help people implement. So 
I mean, what that looks like from a practical sense, working with these change makers to, to implement health in their lives so they can perform at their best. I've started working with individuals to provide some one-on-one health mentoring. I work with organizations providing workshops and, and workplace solutions in the health and resilience space. And I'm even starting to help organizations develop and implement their own health and well-being strategies. And that tends to be more the kind of the smaller to maybe mid-sized organizations. And so if you know anyone who does want to improve their health or the health of their workplace and their team, then please point them in my direction. Get them to to send an email to, to chris at healthmentors.nz. That's chris at healthmentors. I'd love to to have a, a chat with them, hopefully provide a good a few ideas and, and if it, things fit well, then also maybe do a little bit of work with them as well. So I, th- I still haven't answered the question is why is uncomfortable okay backed and what it's gonna, what's it going to look like going forward? When I stopped uncomfortable is okay, I always thought of it as a hiatus. I always thought of it like as, hey, this is, this is something that I love. This is something that I really enjoy. And it's something that I would like to come back to doing. But I just didn't have the capacity. And now with where I'm at, I have the space and I have the time. And so that's, that's one of the important reasons is that I, that I have the capacity to pick it back up again. But also I think it, it, it forms a really important part in supporting the work that I want to do and improving the health of individuals and organizations. It's, it's all about creating healthy behavior change for us as, as individuals and as organizations to, to improve our health collectively. And I think uncomfortable is okay plays a really a really special part in that because like we we talk to people, we hear the science and the stories of how people healthfully change their behavior all the time. And so hopefully by listening to this and listening to these conversations that I've had, people are able to lead healthier lives. It helps me to kind of help people as well because I I get to pull in a whole lot of different strategies and tactics that we can use in the moment for for improving someone's health and performance and it also it scratches my own itch as well on, on learning and having great conversations with really knowledgeable people from a whole lot of different works walks of life so it's it's something that I love doing and so the focus is still going to be around navigating challenge, but it's probably going to be around navigating challenge with a performance lens placed over the top. And you might hear a little bit more from, from authors and from researchers as to helpful tools and frameworks that we can utilize. Up until now, it's, it's been very heavily story-focused and individual-focused, and, and I think there, there are going to still be some absolutely awesome stories and awesome individuals that we talk to but I think actually having these having these authors and researchers as well providing their knowledge and their viewpoints is going to be exceptionally valuable for us. There's also going to be more space for people who listen to the podcast to get their question answer, questions answered or, or some topics discussed and whether that's me sitting down and recording a solo episode, I've got a couple of a uh, couple of 
good ones that I'm I'm teeing up to record around navigating choice points when things don't go to plan and like practical self-compassion that we can we can utilize in the moment or whether that's with some expert guests that I bring on to discuss some topics that would be that would be something that is on the cards as well so again feel free to reach out if you have any questions but thank you and welcome back and I'm looking forward to getting uncomfortable with you again 